This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hey, folks, good afternoon and welcome to Enterprise Biz Bites. I am Roshan Kandesan and happy Friday, everyone. The end of another week to hurdles us towards the middle of the year. And yes, Rich, I said hurdles us towards the wow, middle of the year. Wow, we're, we're there already, are we? We are. Welcome, Rich Bradbury <laughs> to the you, studio. Sir. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's Friday, June 23rd, uh-huh. just to make sure I put it out there. You did? Yeah, you I got the date my, right. You got the date right. I remember we're doing my days. Well. How, about, how about timing? It is 12.06 p.m., just in case anyone's wondering a little a bit of a dreary day today. Rich. It is, it is. But my uh, my evening was highlighted by the fact that I could be watching Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> in a cage fight. Very, anyway, it's going to be pay per view at some point, right? I'm trying to figure out: is it going to go out on Twitter Spaces? Is it going to go out on Instagram Reels? Where are we going to see it? You know, for all you know, it could go to the uh, Twitch competitor that's recently ah, got on a lot of attention. Indeed, Kick indeed. signed a hundred million dollar deal with uh, a very famous Twitch streamer. Yeah, uh, but they're uh, owned by a stake.com gambling company so yeah. it could be some synergies there but I, I honestly thought that this was a joke when it passed through I my know, time I ignored <laughs> it <laughs> I ignored it uh, but now that you're telling me I believe yes. it that, well there you go uh, Rich let's talk about some business news or some business developments shall we because uh, if you take a look at the last year mm. um, last 12 months a lot of things have happened but one thing in particular that I've been paying attention to is the kind of struggle that direct to consumer brands are seemingly facing right now because um, you know direct-to-consumer brands were basically bypassing middlemen yeah. bypassing di- uh, older distribution channels yeah. going direct to customers and acquiring them uh, a lot of times bringing with them cheaper prices along the way but it seems that a lot of that shine has been dulled because a lot of the high-flying names like uh, Warby Parker, for example, mm-hmm. very famous for selling glasses to you directly, or even your Spotify's or Netflix, your yep. uh, Klarna, the uh, BNPL players, all have become more positive. Uh, the tone around it has become a lot more pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Stock prices for the public listed ones have been hammered. Uh, and a lot of this seems to stem from this ability or maybe lack of ability to acquire and retain customers at reasonable cost. Yeah, so uh, B2C fintech companies uh, don't seem to have been spared from this either. Mm. So uh, today here on BizBytes, uh, we'll be speaking to robo-advisor Stashery Malaysia and InsurTech Koala Malaysia about how uh, both of these fintech players are navigating this current environment, but also a look back at how they entered and built up their businesses here and how their strategies have evolved since getting here in Malaysia. And of course, as usual, you can get in touch if you do have any questions on our U-Mobile WhatsApp number. It is 018 double eight double nine we're also on twitter of course at bfm radio if you want to get in touch with us there joining us for this conversation today jonathan ong head of consumer uh, head of direct to consumer with indonesian intertech koala and wong Wai Ken, country manager at wealth tech stash away malaysia gentlemen welcome to the studio how are you both doing thank you um, i'm very happy to be here i'm a big fan of bfm so very exciting uh ken not your first rodeo how are you doing no, it's good. It's good to be live, and I'm glad it's Friday as well. Yes, yes. Uh, Koala's first time on BFM, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so it is. It'll be interesting to learn uh, what you guys are doing in the region. Now, both of you have brought in B2C fintech companies into Malaysia. So as a starting point in this conversation, maybe give us a sense of the journey since bringing your respective brands into Malaysia and where uh, Stashway and Koala stand today. Uh, Ken, let's start with you. Sure. It's... Actually, in July, it'll be my five years here. So well, congrats. it's been quite a ride. We launched in 2018. We were the first robo-advisor or digital investment manager that was licensed by the SC. 
And um, it's it's been a ride because we had to essentially break ground on educating people what a robo advisor was. Mm. I remember my first few seminars. We had FAQ sheets on every chair, and we spent an hour and a half talking about personal finance, investing, and what robos provide to you in terms of value. And then it, at the end, someone said, "Oh, by the way, um, what's a robo advisor?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so I put my head down and I said, "Well, ma'am." <laughs> a robo-advisor helps you invest by, by clicking a few buttons on your app. And five years later, you know, we're in a very vibrant marketplace. Uh, I like to think we're a trusted brand and hope to grow from strength to strength. Uh, Jonathan, what about you? Koala, tell us a little bit about the journey. I think you entered the Malaysian market in 2021, if, that's, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. So we began our journey in 2021 at the height of the pandemic. And uh, at that time, with the uh, movement restriction orders in place, uh, people were finding it very difficult to buy insurance, mm. especially their vehicle insurance and their road taxes, right? Uh, so we came into the picture and we offered an alternative for people to do that. Uh, so fast forward now, um, we are a comprehensive marketplace. Uh, we offer not just motor insurance, but also other insurance products like health, uh, PA, and uh, property insurance as well, just to name a few. Uh, John, starting your business during the MCO, during the pandemic, must have been um, an interesting experience, uh, to say the least. Tell us a little bit about the early days. How, how did you get business done? Uh, we rely a lot on, on uh, digital marketing. Uh, of course, uh, we can't go out there and uh, distribute flyers uh, or, or do that, <laughs> all, the, all that, right? Uh, so we had a very lean team, but also a team that's very focused on uh, our mission, uh, which is to make insurance very accessible to the, to the masses. Mm. Uh, so starting the journey in the, the height of the pandemic is a very different experience, uh, but it's unprecedented as well. Uh, but uh, I've got a good team with me, and uh, that made the difference. Let's talk about then. You know, in terms of offering, you know, how have um, when you guys came into Malaysia in, and into the Malaysian market, are there specific features or products that were developed with this particular market in mind? Uh, Jonathan, let's start with you actually this time. Sure. So, if you look at the insurance penetration rate in Malaysia, it's just about about above fifty percent. Uh, in fact, in some areas, it's as low as 30%. Yeah, right. not great. Not great. So <laughs> not that is a problem uh, because what that means is that all it takes is just one unfortunate event to set someone back mm. uh, financially big mm. time, right? Um, so we are here to try to lower the um, barrier of entry for, for the people uh, and make insurance uh, accessible to, to everyone. Uh, our target market is the M40 and B40, uh, where insurance is not... Uh, that's not a subject to It's, a, it's an afterthought for a lot of them. Right? It is. It's not, yeah. For some, it's a luxury, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we are here to also educate people that uh, insurance is important, protection is important. And how we approach customers now is uh, we go through two channels, uh, the assisted and non-assisted channels, because we understand that there will always be two sets of people, right? Uh, mm. People who want to buy directly and they don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, and I am one of those people. <laughs> and also the, the other group of people who wants to consult someone right? yeah. and, and to understand a product better. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we make sure that we cater to both. Jonathan, uh, just to set the, because there are a lot of insurtechs in this space, right? Uh, I mean, last week we were speaking to Policy Street and mm. their B2B2C, they embed a lot of their products uh, focusing on the gig economy. Uh, Koala is distribution uh, distribution platform for general insurance products, correct? Uh, for now, yes. Uh, we are For now. For now, yes. Uh, we, have, we have plans to also go to life insurance, yeah. So we want to be a comprehensive place. Right, that place. I'll make a note, picking up on that later. Yes, yes. for sure. <laughs> uh, Ken, talk to us about the product offering here in Malaysia. Does it differ from the rest of the region? How have you had to adapt uh, to the Malaysian preference? Yeah, I think the wealth management landscape in Malaysia is 
has similarities with other countries, but it's also unique in its in its own sense. It's dominated by unit trusts, um, ASB, and um, uh, returns from from ASB and EPF are you know stated every year as a as a as a single rate. So I think educating the public about about fluctuating markets and that returns go up and down has has been has been an uphill battle. But I think we're getting there. Um, there's also a lot of cash in the bank. So there's 800 billion ringgit in CASA and FD. So Malaysians love their cash. Um, whereas if you look at something, another market like America, 15% of uh, their, their wealth is in cash. A, a lot of it is invested and managed. So I think as we become more developed market, we will also um, have to offer more products in, <laughs> in Malaysia. And, so, um, Ken, CASA is uh, current account and savings yeah, account. Yeah, current account, current saving account, virtually yielding nothing, right? But I think people just feel safe that it's you know PIDM insured mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's cash in the bank. So what we had to do was basically have a value proposition, right? Yeah, I think being digital at that point in time was not new. But what we t- told people was that we would cut a lot of cost out of investing. Typically, up front, it's 5%. But then we did away with sales charges and we only had a management fee of 0.8% and, and sliding. So I think that that made a lot of people listen, but then after that it's, do you produce returns for mm-hmm. me? And, and how we go about that is to say that, look, how you've been investing in the, in the past has been relatively inefficient. You have to go in a branch, you have to go meet, a, meet a, an agent, but through a few clicks of a button, you can invest globally and get into a portfolio that's diversified and is multi-asset in nature. So forget about switching, forget about um, having to see someone before you, you make a transaction. You can just do everything from the app and also stay invested through the cycle. And since then, we have learned more about the Malaysian consumer. We know that, for example, how they react in tough times like, like, like COVID. We also learned that they need something to enhance the returns on their pure cash, which is why in 2019, we introduced Stashway Simple. Today, that is yielding 4.1% and it's one of the more popular products that we have. And I think moving forward, you know, we want to access pension fund channels and things like that, very, very specific to the needs of Malaysians. But you would actually find that a lot of markets have, have similar problems as well. Mm. A lot of high mm. costs, uh, underinvested, too much cash. So while we are special as Malaysians, other countries also face the same thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering whether this is a very long-term game, right? Because what you're trying to do is basically <clears throat> bypass the agency uh, distribution forces, which have been so strong in Malaysia for decades now. It feels like it would take decades or at least a decade or so to kind of get through that, tap, to a, tap into a new generation of consumers. Uh, but all that is something that we're going to be diving into a little later in this conversation. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you just joined us today on BizBytes, we've been exploring the challenges facing the B2C fintech landscape here in Malaysia with wealth tech player Stashaway and Intertech Koala. Tell us what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899 or you can tweet us over at BFM Radio. I'm Roshan Kanesan with Richard Bradbury and here is the Jackson 5 with I Want You Back here on BFM. FM 89.9. Best flipping moments. BFM 89.9, the business station. Hey, folks, welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. You're here with me, Roshan and Richard. Just to be clear, I'm not both Roshan and Richard. <laughs> if you've just joined us today on Biz Bites, we're exploring the challenges facing the B2C fintech landscape here in Malaysia with Welltech player Stashaway and Intratech Koala. Among other things we've been getting into include how these fintech players set up in Malaysia, but also how they're navigating the current tougher environment and how, how strategies have evolved since entering Malaysia. 
Asia. You can get in touch with us to let us know what you think of on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899 or you can always tweet us at BFM Radio. Helping me with helping us with this discussion today has been Jonathan Ong from Kuala and Wong Wai Kan from Stashaway. Uh, gentlemen, let's get into our next uh, question here, which is building a B2C brand really is all about, as I mentioned much earlier, it's about bypassing uh, current uh, distribution routes and going straight to the customers and acquiring them. And a big part of this for digital players like yourselves has been digital marketing, which in a lot of ways basically just means Facebook and Instagram ads or Google search engine marketing. Uh, Ken, how did Stashaway uh, acquire your respect, your customer base here in Malaysia? Talk to us a bit about that journey and customer acquisition strategy. Yeah, that's right. I think basically you have to establish trust and you have to find channels to reach customers to build that trust. So naturally, you know, we, we, we all know we are digital natives and, and Google and Facebook and Instagram is where we reside. So naturally, that's where the ads come in. And I would say in terms of attribution, 70% of our clients can be attributable to online uh, sources. Wow. But what has been difficult, I'm sure Jonathan agrees, is that uh, Apple first then changed their privacy mm-hmm. laws and, yeah. then, uh, yeah. and then Google followed suit. So it's increasingly difficult and challenging to market online. But from the beginning, we've had this philosophy that we need to create positive interactions wherever we go, including online, uh, amongst friends where they refer, doing a bit of PR like we are doing now uh, in, 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 in print newspaper and in physical events. So we need to have that plethora of different interactions where they're all hopefully positive. And then online is a channel where they then tip into stash away, right? Mm, mm. So it's very hard to say, yes, a hard 70 comes from online and nothing else, right? So you need to create all these positive interactions. Um, We also have an offline presence in the sense that we do events, we do partnerships. We also have wealth advisors for high net worth individuals. I think what people want is to have a digital experience, but when they really need some hand-holding, there's someone there for them. Mm -hmm. Ken, could you just take us a little bit deeper into how the Apple and then Google changes impacted your ability to acquire customers? Because a lot of people have probably heard about it, that Apple changed this and Google changed that, but don't really understand how that impacts businesses, especially digital businesses. Just take us a little bit through that. Yeah, so privacy is a feature, right? And to say that now is, is, I think, uh, uh, not, not new. And what Apple did was take a very bold stance to be pro-consumer instead of being pro-advertiser. And I think they were in that position of strength because they sell hardware and they could differentiate themselves from Google by saying, hey, we're on your side and when you go online, you don't get tracked. So they've basically put in place uh, certain restrictions on how cookies can follow you. And because of that, uh, it's very hard for us to ascertain the journey of the client online and then how exactly they go from, let's say, an e-commerce website to then searching for financial services online to then downloading Stashway or, or any, other, uh, any other app. So because of that difficulty, we then now have to make some assumptions. We don't see as much data as before. We see metadata, which is maybe we don't see Roshan, but we see maybe some of your demo. A profile or something like a, that. A profile, very vague. Um, I, I think the targeting is much less than before, but it's all part of having to navigate it. Yeah, right? yeah. So the ROI becomes a little bit more uncertain in terms of how much your budget, right? So, um, uh, John, uh, yourself as well here with Koala, um, tell us a little bit about the customer acquisition strategy and whether you know some of those struggles that Ken was talking about resonate with you as well. 
so like like uh, Stashaway, and uh, I agree with Ken, uh, a lot of our customer acquisition strategies revolve around social media and uh, search engine optimization. Uh, and we actually invest a lot in that. Um, the customer base that we have right now ranges from early 20s to mid 40s. So these groups of people are very tech savvy. Uh, so it makes sense for us to target them using the digital means. Um, but on a side note as well, we invest in creating content, mm-hmm. uh, educational content, because we don't just want to be a platform that sells insurance. Uh, we also want to educate people about the importance of having protection, uh, the importance of having insurance in their lives. Uh, so we do a lot of articles, we do a lot of content. If you go to our social media, TikTok or what, YouTube, you'll find uh, tons of content uh, relating to financial um, uh, topics. Does content help with your SEO? Yes, it does. So it brings traffic to us. So we, all, in fact, we actually run a blog, and uh, we're averaging about two hundred thousand visit, visits uh, a month. Uh, so some of that, you know, comes to our site as, as traffic uh, and, and and leads. Uh, but uh, you know, for us, Kuala, we we just don't want to sell. We just want to also, you know, serve the, the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about collaborations and partnerships. And obviously, these are the things that can help make or break a company as well. Can you talk to us about some of the, the key partnerships that have you, you've created or, or, or joined that may have helped with your success here in Malaysia? Sure. So to date, we have partnered with uh, nine uh, insurance and tackle for operators. Uh, and uh, you know, they have been very supportive of uh, what we do and our mission. Uh, at the regional level, we have relationships uh, with big brands, uh, big uh, uh, names, and but that's more of a strategic kind of relationship. At the markets that we operate in, it's still very local mm. uh, because we have to adhere to the local, regula- uh, local mm. regulation. Um, so we, apart from that, we also recognize... Um, uh, that we also want to contribute back to the country, right? So apart from creating educational content, uh, we actually uh, we have partnered with uh, several universities and colleges, uh, and we are on uh, several boards as well to review student work, uh, um, also to comment on their syllabus uh, and all that. So, um, so we want to be an active player in that in that front as well. Mm-mm. Yeah, I think collaboration and partnerships are something that. Malaysian fintechs and startups tend to do a lot of. There are a lot of thumbs up and MOUs and buntings in the background yeah. and signing of things yeah. that are not binding. <laughs> I'm, I only say this because there's no better judge than the market itself. And if you get direct um, product market fit, that trumps everything else. You shouldn't rely on any one uh, channel or partnership to, to grow. Obviously, having said that, when both sides can benefit, that's really where you should be working together. And just a word of caution to some of the aspiring uh, entrepreneurs out there, be careful when you're working with partners because you don't want a bigger partner to, to usurp your agenda of, of growing your own business and them bending you to, to their agenda instead. You have to have that fine balance of, yes, I want to work with you, but only up to a certain point. You have right. to be quite yeah. savvy about this. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you have to do enough partnerships with uh, companies or other platforms that are of size that make sense so you can can actually grow. So the way that Stashway looks at partnerships is that we want to acquire customers through our partner's platform. Cross-selling is very difficult to do because when you are considering investing, you don't want to see other ads, other messages. And so that kind of non-two-way street has been something we had to navigate and that's why we had to rely a lot on uh, re- rewards programs, basically vouchers, vouchers on um, e- e- e-wallet website, uh, 
e-wallet applications like Boost and Grab worked really well in the early days. Um, but also recently, we had a partnership with EdgeProp. EdgeProp uh, has a new property uh, portal called Start, where people can browse for property. And StashAway is a rewards partner where we incentivize people to start saving and investing towards their, the down payment on their home. So I think it has to make sense overall and um, be mutually beneficial for both parties. Mm. Otherwise, be wary. Mm-mm. Now, Ken, uh, Stashway is a business that has bypassed the traditional way of selling, or it is trying to bypass the traditional way of selling investment products here in Malaysia, um, which has been largely agent-driven, right? I think that's not a secret. Um, having the human element seems to have seems to provide a semblance of comfort, right? Uh, that to a subject matter which can often be very intimidating and confusing. Yeah. Um, how have you been able to address and maybe overcome this through your? I mean, education comes to mind, but mm. sometimes that's not as let's say proactive as having someone guide you. Correct? Yeah. Um, you know, in our world, you know insurance and investment is sold not bought mm. when you wake up in the morning you think about coffee and your toast and <laughs> what your, uh, your your spouse is doing and your kids i i would wager that you rarely even think about insurance or investing in it's the, top the first thing i think about in the morning oh really yeah, yeah, absolutely like, well, well am i covered it's the first thing i think about yeah, oh, the piece of mind. insurance then coffee that that's why you're you're in on beef right? <laughs> very very savvy people but for, for a lot of people they're not it's not top of mind so so i think we also have to be very careful with how we address our clients when we do it needs to make sense mm. yes education is part of it but the markets are very volatile. There are a lot of events that happen, and so it needs to be topical. It can't always just be personal finance driven. It has to be Credit Suisse has failed. What does this mean for you? Right, right. right. It has to be very, very topical. Um, so ultimately, I think if you if if you want to speak to your clients, it has to be very, very timely. And ultimately, when it when trends happen, they happen very slowly at first, and then they accelerate. So we want to be in a position when buying in, in, in um, investment products is common online. D- does the language that you use to approach your potential ah, clients yes. change over time as well, depending on what, what's trending or, mm. or what's important at the time? We have focused on speaking to our clients like people. Right. If you look at any other reports from, from banks or any other fund managers, it's filled with jargon, yep. things like yield curve and, yep. and, and, and all, 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 all that kind of jargon, right? Which, you know, I, I was in a bank before. That's kind of used to present that you're knowledgeable, yeah. but we want to be accessible. So we speak to people in, 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 in plain speak and so that they understand that we know what's going on and we, we know what's best for their money as well. Right. And it's a bumpy ride. We sure. have to talk to people when times are tough yeah. and we have to be frank yeah. when, when, when returns are bad as well. Yeah. So Does that apply to Koala as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like I said, the, the demographics that we have is between the early 20s to, to uh, early 40s and uh, we have to also cater to the diversity of Malaysia, right? Uh, we have so many groups of people, so many groups of cultures. And uh, when we develop our educational content and also marketing content, we have to address that as well. Mm-hmm. So. All right, folks, uh, we've been chatting with Stashway Malaysia and Koala, uh, both uh, fintech companies that are serving customers directly, bypassing the traditional routes of accessing customers. But it's not always been a smooth ride. So we've been getting their insights as to how, they're, how they built their businesses and networks in Malaysia, but also how they're dealing with the challenging environment. If you have any thoughts on any of this, you can WhatsApp us at 018 789 or 
you can tweet us at BFM Radio. I'm Roshan Kanison with Richard Bradbury. And right now we're going into What You See Is What You Get by Safe Harris on BFM 89.9. Better Finance Management. BFM 89.9. Hey folks, welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kandison with Richard Bradbury in the studio this afternoon. If you've just joined us today on Biz Bites, we've been exploring the challenges facing the B2C fintech landscape with the wealth tech player Stashaway and InsureTech Koala. Among other things, we've been getting into how these players entered the Malaysian market, navigated the tougher environment today, but also how the strategies have evolved over time. Helping us with this discussion has been Jonathan Ong from, in, uh, from Koala and Wong weekend from stash away uh gents earlier we were talking about some of the avenues in which you've grown businesses here in malaysia acquired customers but outside digital marketing and partnerships what have been other key avenues to build up your businesses here uh jonathan yeah um sure uh, our focus is still a lot on edu- uh, creating edu- educational content uh and uh we have a blog called person P-E-S-A-N, so in case anyone listening would like to check it out. Uh, and we do a lot of educational content revolving around uh, financial topics and insurance. And, and we hope that we also want to serve the nation in that way, not just selling insurance. Um, we may consider going uh, doing physical events uh, sometime in the future, but uh, as of this moment, we don't have such plans yet. Insurance people not wanting to do physical events. Not yet, not, not yet. Not yet. You know, yeah. digital player. So it's a matter of time, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, Ken, what about yourself? Aside digital marketing and partnerships, what have been other avenues? Yeah, um, the journey to creating trust has also involved working with a lot of uh, content creators. We, When we started in 2018, it was all about bloggers. So Mr. Stingy, Ringgit or Ringgit, uh, Dividend Magic, you know, we, we spoke directly to these people and, uh, you know, we were clearly addressing a pain point that they were facing and they were more than happy to write about it. And um, as we went on, YouTubers and financial influencers became a thing. And when we started working with the likes of uh, Suyin Invest or Mr. Money, they were less than a thousand, even just above a hundred subs. But we liked what they were doing. They were, they were earnest and they were like, non-commercial and we spoke to them. And I think we've collaborated really well thus far. I think... Working with content creators is important because there's a bit of social proof and a bit of trust that they have built with their followers as well. But mm. each one of them is different and, mm. and they're all special in their, their own way. Uh, lastly, we've also worked with Dr. Jason Leong, who I think is touring right now. So he's been great to work with as a partner. We, we got to work with him because he was a user. Bumped yeah. into him and said, I'm a big fan. And he took out <laughs> his app and said, I'm very happy I've made some money with you guys. And then when we had the budget to work with him, I was, I, it was a WhatsApp away. Mm. Uh, out of curiosity, how was that? How was working with Dr. Jason Leong in terms of a channel, as, a, as yeah, an acquisition no. channel? He's, uh, he, he's fun, right? He's not just funny on, you know, while performing, but, but off the screen, he's also extremely creative. He has strong views about financial gurus and uh, high fees and likes poking sticks at, at, at these things. So we found that we, we were on the same wavelength. And what we thought of was, okay, I think we can collaborate where, where you can poke fun at, at these things and we would come in with the substance and hopefully entertain as well as inform your, your users. Mm. And we gave him a little promo code, which, which actually did quite well. So mm-hmm. shout out to Dr. Jason Leung. So this is basically uh, what we're talking about here is earned marketing, right? So you got paid, mm. you got your earned, you got your owned. Uh, Jonathan, you were talking about your owned marketing, which is basically your blog there. Yes. Have you guys been doing any earned uh, marketing 
Uh, I mean, aside the fact that we're having a conversation here, you know, have you engaged uh, influencers and that sort of thing in order to get your message out? Yeah, I mean, for for us, selling insurance can be uh, uh, an e-commerce way of doing things. Um, We actually run seasonal campaigns. Uh, For example, we just uh, completed the Hari Raya campaign. Uh, Now we are looking at um, the Merdeka one. Uh, so in these campaigns, we do engage with uh, influencers, uh, hoping, hoping to also tap into their subscriber base mm. and to get the word out about mm. insurance. Uh, we have so we've done quite well. Uh, we've collaborated with uh, several uh, key names, uh, and uh, we will, I think we will still stick with that that uh, strategy for the, for the time being. Mm. Now we've been talking very much, pretty much all the way through the show about. Um, Getting the customer, hold, mm. you know, and, and attracting them to what it is that you do, and that's one thing. But of course, once you've got them, <laughs> how do you manage to stay holding on to them? You know, how do you retain them? Particularly, like you were saying earlier on, Ken, when we go through tough times, and you know, and even with insurance, it might not be top of mind. It might not be the first thing that they're thinking about. How do you hold on to these folks? Yes, I think for us at Koala, we have put in processes, yeah. uh, both offline and offline. To, um, to remind customers of their policies which are expiring or, or have lapsed. Uh, and we use various means uh, like WhatsApp, email, uh, even phone calls as well. Uh, but on top of that, we also run campaigns to incentivize renewals with us. Uh, we, we try to make it fun. Uh, we have prizes to win, uh, uh, promo codes and stuff like that. So, um, so, do you, so yeah, do you see that do. working as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is working. Uh, I think... People just want the best deal, right, right. when it comes to insurance, and um, you know, we are there to offer mm-hmm. them. Gamifying it, perhaps. Is, is there any element of that in, in what you're doing? Not yet, not, not yet, yet, but it's a good idea. Yeah. Ken? Yeah, I couldn't agree more that retaining clients is, is important. Yeah. And the way we, uh, our business model works is that we have a management fee, which means that the more clients put with us for the longer period of time, um, you know, both parties uh, win and get, get something out of it. So let me preface just by saying that acquiring customers for uh, a proportional value, not always low, but a proportional value is very important. A lot of the times people tell me, oh, you're a digital player, maybe uni students would, would, would really kind of look into your product. But I would rather onboard one millionaire than 100 uni students. Mm. I'm sure these uni students one day will be millionaires as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's about proportionality. So once you acquired someone for a relatively good cost, then it's about how profiling, right? How much they put onto the platform, how much they trust you more and more. Talking about retention, we've managed to retain in our cohorts 50 to 70%, which is actually very, very decent. And what we're also seeing is that people are trusting us more and more by putting more money with us over time. That's, I wanted to follow up on that because 50 to 70% here, are you noticing that these are... Um, uh, higher value customers in terms of they have more money with you versus maybe the customers who have, you know, they put like a hundred bucks or 5,000 ringgit or something like that between that range and they're just there to test the platform. Have you noticed any of those kind of trends? Um, so, so speaking about the cohorts, it really differs. So it's not about how much uh, money you have or how savvy you are in terms of investing. It's, I guess, about how uh, if, if you have good behaviors and good habits when it comes to investing, being a patient when it comes to returns, mm. being disciplined in terms of uh, dollar cost averaging. So it's not necessarily a young, old thing or a or, or rich, less rich thing. Um, so, so it really depends on the individual and the, the individual good habits. But we do see that people tend to give us a little bit of a trial period. If, mm-hmm. if they come in in a certain 
time frame, they would like to see positive returns between the first months to three months, and that would dictate their uh, their behavior going forward. Mm-hmm. The harsh reality and, and perhaps is the retention. Exactly, yeah, that affects yeah. the retention. And the reality is that markets go in cycles, and when you come on board, affects your your your, your outlook on Stashway. Mm. If you came in at the peak, and then twenty twenty two cap, you know where where bonds and, and equities <laughs> uh, decline in value, yeah. then you might think that oh, investing's not for me, or Stashway's not doing its job. But it really depends on your good habits and how how much education you've done before investing, right? So. It really depends, and that's something that's interesting because it's beyond your control, right? If the if your if your observation is that, um, depending on how a customer's first three to six months goes from a market perspective, uh, then you have you know there's a lot of this. You know, I keep an eye on the on the the market, and um, there's a lot of negative sentiments that come up, right? Whenever you talk about robos, whenever you talk about stash away, there'll always be a few people who'll be like, "Oh, the returns don't justify what I'm here for," um, and given that the Digital, the dim or the digital investment management business, the margins aren't big. They're not terribly big there. Mm. How do you navigate that situation? You know, having to manage people who may be unhappy versus having a limited amount of money you can spend on acquisition. Yeah, that's that, there's a lot to unpack there. So, so I will first say that we try and influence the situation as much as possible. But you're right, we don't control the uh, the psychology completely. So we design the app in a way where we guide you to pick the right portfolio for your risk. And then while markets move up and down, we try and educate you and inform you in terms of what's going on through different channels, right? Um, in terms of how we go about that, our our fees are only 80 basis points mm-hmm. and, and sliding. So we have to be very disciplined in terms of how we acquire these customers and choose what we spend on. We have to keep our fixed costs really low. And for our variable costs, we need to re- negotiate them to very, very low upfront. So in that sense, we then get a cohort of customers, out of which we retain some, and naturally some would churn as well. And on balance, we hope to retain most of them. So you have to work with the law of large numbers and please um, the vast majority of people over time and throughout the years, therein lies the business you have built, right? It's not a one-off thing. It's a multi-series game where you deploy money for people and if it does what it says on the box consistently and over time, then your business will grow. About scale, about patience, and uh, we're going to get into more in just a little bit. Today on BizPoints, we've been exploring the challenges facing the B2C fintech landscape with wealth tech players Stashway and InsureTech Koala. Tell us what you think over on WhatsApp at 018-789-8899, or you can tweet us over at BFM Radio. I'm Roshan Kunison with Richard Bradbury, and here is John Lee Hooker with Think Twice Before You Go on BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hey folks, welcome back to Enterprise BizBytes. You're here with Roshan and Richard. If you've just joined us today on BizBytes, we've been exploring the challenges facing the B2C fintech landscape here in Malaysia with Jonathan Ong, Head of Direct-to-Consumer with Indonesian InsureTech Koala and Wong Wai Ken, Malaysia Country Manager with Wealth Tech Player StashAway. Uh, gents, we've got a few minutes left here in our hour of time. It's funny how time flies when you're having fun. So as a takeaway to other digital or fintech businesses listening 
care. Um, knowing what you know now, uh, while it can be important to you know splash the cash at the start of a fintech's uh, fintech brand's introduction to a market, this isn't generally a sustainable strategy for the long term, especially for an industry that's been associated with uh, things like improving accessibility and affordability of financial products and services. Um, what do your respective acquisition strategies look like going forward, uh, John? Sure. Um, I think for us, um, yes, we have to run the business in a sensible way. Um, in a perfect world, we could splurge cash and mm. acquire customers. But as you said, you know, we have to think about sustainability. Uh, for Koala, if I were to just put it down in five points of wh- where we want to focus on, uh, the first being the um, customer experience on our platform. Uh, we are always in this constant uh, review of of our UI UX, uh, our our relationship with our partners, and also pre and post sales processes. So we will always um, strive to improve uh, the customer's experience using our platform, and hopefully that will also have them uh, return to us. Uh, second point here is uh, content creation. Um, as I mentioned, Malaysia is a diverse country. We have to have a content that appeals to everyone in this country. Mm. And we will continue to diversify and, and to do that. The third is uh, moving on to different products, not just motor insurance or health. We have to move up the value chain. And, um, and hopefully, uh, we can be a more comprehensive uh, marketplace as, um, than we are now. Uh, so customers then will have a choice. And then we will be the first thing on their mind when they want to buy insurance. Uh, the fourth is brand building. Uh, trust is important. I think people need to understand that we are here to also help uh, 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 the country uh, to, to make insurance more accessible. But for them, they can trust us because we are transparent and we're not, we don't, we're not hiding anything. Right? And uh, last but not least is uh, be sensible with our economics. Um, you know, we have to keep a really close eye on things like customer acquisition cost, uh, our costs per lead, as well as our return on ad spend. So, uh, you know, we have to run this business and, and we want to run it in a long-term manner. Uh, Ken, as a takeaway to other people who may be listening here, um, what does the customer acquisition and retention strategy for going forward look like for StashAway? Yeah, in 2018, 2019, when WeWork was still ascending, um, <laughs> it was all about raise a lot, raise fast, um, spend that cash and go for a listing and hopefully be successful that way. But we now know that that model doesn't work. Anyone can succeed or have a good chance of succeeding if they have a lot of money and they splash the cash, but not everyone can be disciplined and lean and still succeed. Mm. And that's what Stashway has tried to do. We have a strategy of lean and sensible growth. Uh, a lot of the things we do centers around cost and you know we think twice before doing these things and we need performance instead of just branding in general, right? So I think five years in, we have enough products out there to serve a large a variety of customers and their needs. We have a good cash product on hand yielding 4.1%. We have our general investing platform uh, portfolios. We also have a flexible portfolio where you can customize your own uh, portfolio. So we have built out our product suite uh, through these years. And I think going forward, we have to be prudent uh, and also resourceful. And when I say resourceful, I mean in every sense. Like, Do you get value out of what you do and who you work with? And then ultimately be smart about making money and still be aligned to clients. So I think if you serve the client in the long term, you will succeed. Jonathan, uh, 
Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and diving into the insights that you've been able to provide us today. Uh, that was Jonathan Ong, Head of Con- Direct to Consumer with Indi- Indonesian InsurTech Koala and Wong Wai Ken, Malaysia Country Manager with a wealth tech player, Stash Away. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast players. Just be sure to search up Enterprise Biz Bites. Richard, any takeaways from this conversation? I'm interested to see how the world of insurance goes over the next couple of years. You know, I mean, that, that I can't exactly say I've always been excited about how insurance. How dare you? you know, I mean, I, I, it's an interesting topic, obviously. <laughs> but uh, listening to, to Jonathan, you know, j- just now, it's really, I suppose, made me sit up and, and pay a bit more attention. I think it's because, you know, he's a nice fellow and it appeals to me a little Oh, bit. Ken's not a nice fellow? Ken's a nice fellow too, yeah, but we'll talk about that after. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, looking ahead. We've got the Breakfast Grill replay after the 1pm news bulletin. As six states here in the peninsula gear up for state elections expected by August this year, how have traditional alliances adapted to the new political landscape? And what does this mean for Malaysia's dominant party system? We discuss these these themes and trends in Malaysian politics with Ibrahim Sufyan of the Merdeka Centre and political political scientist Meredith Wise. I catch that after the 1pm news bulletin. Uh, I'm Roshan Kinesin and this has been Enterprise Biz Bites with Richard Bradbury uh, taking you up to the one bulletin. Here is uh, a song that Jonathan, because it's his first time here, we've allowed him to dedicate it to this wonderful day of the week, which is Friday. Uh, this is The Cure with Friday I'm In Love on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.